passage of scripture, Psalm 63, and we really saw results of a man of God, David, and how he reacted to bad news. The bad news, of course, of his son Absalom, who decided to be king and to rebel, and uh, how David really reacted positively to that. Tonight in 1 Kings chapter 19, we read about a man who got bad news and did not respond positively to that. I wish I could tell you tonight that most folks, when they get bad news, choose to do the right thing. But unfortunately, if I was honest with you, most folks, when they get, to do, when they get bad news, usually, typically, choose to do the wrong thing. I am astounded when I go on door-to-door visitation, the number of folks I've met that used to go to church. Just yesterday, my son and I met a lady who used to go to church. She had some truth, but something, and I don't know what, because I really didn't get the opportunity, because after getting into my testimony of how I was saved, her mom came out and basically said, you're gone. So that was the end of that. I had to get an opportunity to find out why she was in the situation she was in. But I can tell you, for the last 27 years of being a Christian, I met a many a person who's no longer in church. Some of them don't even claim to be Christians because of something that's bad, that bad happened in their life or bad that happened to somebody that they love. All of us gets bad news sometimes. I think Job said, as the sparks fly upward, <laughs> uh, we, we, we live in days of trouble. And we do live in days of trouble. Sometimes it's discouraging, it's heartening, and the demons of disillusionment and discouragement 
are constantly around us and fight us. And one of the jobs of a, as, as a pastor is to encourage the flock, whether they be youth or church, to not listen to those demons. And instead of dwelling in darkness, to choose, and it is a choice, to turn to the light. That is one of our great goals and something that I know Pastor Lytell is constantly doing. 1 Kings chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do unto me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Verse 8. And he arose and did eat and drink and went the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and behold the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out, and stood in the entering end of the cave. Behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shemat, of Abameel, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And thou shalt come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet have I left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Father, we thank you again for your wonderful word. 
And through your word, Father, I pray that you would speak to us. Encourage our heart. These things in the Old Testament we learn are given to us as an example that we might learn from. May we learn from them. So that we who are living now do not make the same mistakes. Help us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you who've read the Bible know the situation at this point. Chapter 17. God declares because of the wickedness of Israel, the people, there's going to be a three-year drought. They were under the rulership of Bill and Hillary. I mean Ahab and Jezebel. I had to do it. <laughs> In chapter 18, God tells Elijah to confront Ahab, and he does. And then there's a there's a, there's a contest in Mount Carmel. One versus 850. One versus 850. God's man versus the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth. God wins. And the rain falls. What a victory. What a victory. But we learn in verse 1, then Jezebel, or Hillary, sent a message unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do unto me and more also, if I make not the life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Bam! Bad news. Bad news. It's a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's a person who walks in the preacher's office and says, I got to talk to you, preacher. Those are hard phone calls. Those are difficult meetings. Discouragement sets in. Now, sometimes we get this idea that discouragement is only for the weak. Not true. Spurgeon, in his lectures to my students, wrote Fits of depression come over the most of us. Usually, Cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, the joyous not always happy. Spiritual darkness of any sort is to be avoided and not desired. I know that some whom I greatly love and esteem who are in my ju judgment among the very choicest of God's people nevertheless travel most of the way to heaven by night. Throughout scriptures, you will find many, a person who goes through times of discouragement, disillusionment. Moses, after so many years of leaving, leading those rebels, the children of Israel, came to the time where he was told to strike, don't strike the rock, but speak to it. What does he do? Smites it. Discouraged, disillusioned, he sins. And because of that, he doesn't get to go into the promised land. David, David, who we read about this morning at Ziglag, the Amalekites have captured their wives and daughters. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man 
for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Paul, the apostle, one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the earth. 2 Corinthians 1.8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Moses, David, Paul, discouraged, Don't feel so bad if you get discouraged. Don't feel bad if you have a bad day. Those great men had bad days. And so do we. The Bible tells us about Elijah or Elias. In James 5, 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. So naturally, as a student of the Bible, I want to learn what not to do when I get bad news. What do I do not do when I get the phone call or I hear bad news? Number one, when you and I get bad news, don't make any major moves. Don't do anything crazy. Everything about you wants to run and to flee. Get out of Dodge. Go. And that's exactly what you should not do. Don't run. Don't flee. Remember, folks, you have an enemy who is against you, who wants you to fail. You have another enemy who is you. You are against you. You know that? You have your flesh and your flesh is against you and you have this world who's telling you you are a failure you cannot do this quit why try the devil the world and the flesh is always against you and they are constantly lying to you and when trouble comes the first thing they say to you, is flee. And what did he do? Well, look at verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. Now listen, Elijah had already ran 17 miles from, from, uh, to Jezreel from Mount, Mount Carmel. Now he travels on foot, no Pony Express, no motorcycle, no Harley, sorry, he has no means of transportation but his feet. He travels a hundred miles south to the wilderness, the desert of Beersheba. See, at times like this, these are times when we want to start thinking about the verses that we've memorized. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We start singing the old songs of Zion. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's bright and happy land where my possessions lie. 
remember what God has done for you in the past. Did God die? No. Did he lie? Did he change? Did he quit caring? Is he no longer there? Can he no longer hear? He is the same God that helped Elijah slay 850 false prophets. Surely God can take care of one wicked woman. Folks, the same God that saved your soul from hell can deliver you and help you through any trouble that you go through in life. He is the same God. Our God has power. He has strength. And He is able. Remember the songs we sang as a kid? He's able. He's able. I know He's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. We sing the songs. But do we believe it here? And here. Stop and be still. And as the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Don't run. Don't flee. Stay. Remember. Remind yourself of what God has done and what He can and will do for you in the future. Secondly, not only don't make any major moves, don't flee. Don't hide yourself from hell. The Bible says in verse 3, he left his servant there. The only person that he could encourage him, besides, of course, the Lord, was his servant. And he left his servant. So not only do we oftentimes flee the situation, we run and we hide. We run from our only help. We run from our friends. The people that help us and can encourage us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when you get bad news, one of the first things you should do, of course, is lift your voice and cry unto your God. But secondly, you ought to be calling your pastor. That is why he is trained for. That is, that is why he went to Bible college. That is why he went to get his master's degree. He has a wealth of experience to hear trouble and sorrow and problems and pain. Call him. Call him. No, not today. <laughs> you can call me. <laughs> you can call me. That's why I went to Baba College for four years. That's why I went two years to seminary. That's why I've been studying this for over 27 years. To help people through problems. And I'm glad to do it. Never think, brothers and sisters in Christ, you're an inconvenience when you do so. This is why we live. We as pastors live to help the flock of God. That's why we're here. To help you. To encourage you. To guide you. To strengthen you. We are for you. There's nobody in this world more for you besides maybe your parents and your, your husband and your wife than your pastors. We're for you. We want to help you. It saddens our soul when we hear of the sheep going to other places and getting bad information like the internet, like the TV. I can't tell you how many hours and hours and hours I've spent 
fixing bad information that people went thinking, well, you know what? Let me just type in uh, that from the internet and see what it says. There's a bunch of junk on there. Folks, we're not going to say go to the internet. We're going to say go to God's book. This is what the word of God says. This book liveth forever. It's forever settled in heaven. It works. It works. It's never failed. Not one time. And trust me, it's not going to fail you either. Hey, don't go to Google. Go to God. Google gets enough credit as it is. Trust me, God is better. Go to him. Go to, the, go to the men of God in your life that will help you and guide you. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so man sharpeneth the counsel of a friend. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Do you like safety? I like safety. I like safety. I like being safe. So when I got a problem or an issue, what do I do? I look around and I call. I call men of God who know God's word. I say, what do you think about this? What does the Bible say about this? Help me. Lead me. Guide me. Folks, encouragement, comfort. Sure, it should come from the family. It should come from friends. But it should come from the church of God. If we who know God can't help one another and encourage one another, then who else can? You should find help and encouragement. Yes, this is a hospital. People are always hurting in this place. So in this place, you should find comfort. You should find grace. You should find mercy. You should hear from, from heaven. There's be times where you should be challenged and encouraged to do the right thing. There should be times where you come weeping to the altar, realizing that you've not been what you should have been. Times coming to the altar praying for a friend who's lost or for a loved one who's not well. There should be times where we as brothers and sisters in Christ go to another brother or sister and say, I know you're hurting, how can I help you? That's what we do as church. We, we covenant, we as members, we covenant with one another to help one another. To build each other up in the most holy faith. Brothers and sisters, if we don't do that in church, where else are you going to find it? You're not going to find it at the British pub. <laughs> You're not going to find it down the road somewhere. We come to God's house and we listen to God's word and we say, Lord, thank you for your word, for the preaching of God's word. And how over the many years as I've listened and heard the word of God, how it has helped me and encouraged me and stirred me to go on for God. Thirdly, don't ponder very long in the pool of self-pity. Don't ponder very long in the pool of self-pity. Don't make major moves. Don't hide yourself from help. And don't ponder very long in the, in the pool of self-pity. 
The Bible says in verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness, even farther from God, and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, wasn't it just the other day you were up there saying, Lord, let the fire fall, and it fell. One of the greatest miracles in the all of the Bible. And now you're saying to God, Lord, take my life. That shows you how far we can fall. He goes from asking God for one of the greatest miracles in the entire Bible to saying to God, Lord, take my life. The saddest parties in life are pity parties. Self-pity causes us to lie to ourselves, over-exaggerate the problem, lose perspective. We cultivate a victim mentality. We, we can rehash, rehearse the problem until we are prepared to make the most drastic and dumbest decisions of our entire lives. Jonah did the same. Remember Jonah? Go preach to that city, that great city. Go cry against it, Jonah. Jonah doesn't do it. He goes the opposite of direction. Gets on a ship. And the people on the ship cry unto the Lord while Jonah's down there asleep. Jonah's asleep. Not even caring about his life. Not even caring about his life. They finally throw him overboard, get swallowed by the great fish. The fish spits him out after he prays and repents of his sin. He goes, he goes out and preaches to Nineveh the greatest sermon in the history, one of the greatest sermons in the history of the world, an eight-word sermon. An eight-word sermon. And from the top to the bottom, they all repent. They all get right. Hundreds of thousands of people get right. And you would think at the end of that, Jonah would say, wow, thank you, God. You did something great. You did something wonderful. You did something fantastic. No, Jonah says in verse 8, chapter 4, it is better for me to die than live. Again, one of the greatest miracles in the history of the world. Hundreds of thousands of people repent of their sin. Jonah says, Lord, it's time for me to die. Don't stop and ponder very long in self-pity because self-pity will destroy you. As I talked about this morning, don't focus on the problems you have. Look up and start praising God. You have to change your perspective. Because it's easy to say, woe is me, woe is me, for I am undone. It's easy to focus on the problem and the pain because it is, there are problems and it is painful. Sometimes when pain, maybe not be your own pain, but when you're dealing with the pain of someone you're loving. I had a, my mother help my grandmother. My grandmother fell and had a blood clot in her brain paralyzed on one side of her body. And for several years, my mother took care of my grandmother. And I would see her go through that and get up every day and go take care of her. Get up every day, 
And it takes a toll on you. Taking care of other people. Folks, we have to remind ourselves in the midst of the problem, in the midst of the pain, that God is good. That he does love us. And that we can trust him. Do not stay, do not ponder very long in self-pity. Stop your pity party. Get your mind right. Start memorizing verses again. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If you spend all your day watching ABC, CBS, and NBC, you're in trouble. If you spend all your afternoon watching soap operas, you are in trouble. If you spend all your day just watching Fox News, you are in trouble. There is a lot of bad news out there, folks. Instead of focusing on the bad, focus on the good. Not only get your mind right, but stop, start getting busy helping people. Get busy helping folks. The Bible tells us, James 1.27, pure religion undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The fatherless. Get involved in a ministry. A ministry that's going to matter. A ministry that's going to matter after your life is over. Folks, you have to have a reason to get up in the morning. What is your ministry? Everybody in this room should be able to come to me and say, Pastor Marty, my ministry is this. You say, I don't have that. Today's the day. What is your ministry? Why do you get up in the morning? What's your purpose in life? Why are you doing what you're doing? Do you have a ministry? You say, well, I can't do what I used to do. No, you can't, but you can do something for God. You can do something. Thank God for the thousands of tracks that are passed out. Dale, thank you for passing out a thousand tracks this week. Thank you, Brother Sakura, for passing out a thousand tracks. You and Lil, another 1,000. It'd be easy in life to say, well, what's the point? Just give up. Who cares? No, you keep going for God. Because God is the giver of life. And he knows when it's time for us to say it's over. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's get busy serving God. Involve ourselves in ministries, bus ministry, nursing home ministries. There's lots of ministries. You say, well, I don't know one. Come talk to me afterwards. I'll get you involved in something. I promise you that. There's lots of things to do. Is, the problem isn't there are things to do. It's you and I wanting to do them. It's you and I just saying, Lord, use me. Use me. You see, God will use you if you let him. If you'll just say, Lord, I'm available. Would you use me? And if you're available and you're flexible, you say, God, use you, he will use you. And you'll be so thankful that he did. So, Elijah reacted wrongly by making wrong moves. He went down. He hid himself from help. He pondered too long in the pool of self-pity. But how did God respond? 
How did God respond in all this? Well, verse 5, as he laid down and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, he was the cake of bacon on the coals and a cruise of water in his head, at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Many a time the thing to do is not to try to work through it, but simply rest. We live in a rat race. And oftentimes the rats die. Sometimes you just got to stop and rest. Stop. Rest. Take care of yourself. Sometimes we're so busy taking care of other people. And folks, there's nothing wrong with taking care of other people. Thank God that we do and we care enough to do it. But sometimes in the midst of taking care of others, we don't stop and take care of ourselves. Stop. Rest. In this society of do everything now, quick fix, we we, we almost think it's a sin to rest and relax. We almost think it's a sin to stop and not do anything. There are times on my day off where I feel bad for not doing things. And I have to say to myself, today is your day off. Don't answer that text. Well, sometimes I do anyway. Sometimes, I, I mean, my, na- my, my nature is want to help folks. Do this, do that, go here, do that. Sometimes the best thing for me is to take the day and just get with God and say, Lord, I want to spend the day with you. I want to dwell in Beulah land for a little while. I'm going to take some extra time to read your word. I want to take some extra time to sing the hymns of Zion. I want to take some extra time to, to know you and dwell with you, to be with you. will break the bow if it's always bent. God allowed Elijah a time of rest and refreshment. Secondly, God spoke to him personally. He said, when he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights in the whore of the Mount of God. That's some powerful food. I, sh- I sure like that. Wow. He went to Mount Horeb. Remember Mount Horeb where Moses got the Ten Commandments? Remember that? Traveled again away from God. And the Bible says in verse 9, He came thither in the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came, hit, came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Interesting, God didn't say, Elijah, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I love it when folks say that. What good is that going to do? No, he just simply asked the question. Statements often prickle us. But questions convict our conscience. And God, the Father, knows exactly what to say at the right time. What doest thou here, Elijah? Adam, where art thou? God often speaks that still, small voice. And he asks us a question. What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah, still struggling with self-pity and loneliness, experienced the very presence of God, not in the dramatic, not in the fire, not in the wind, not in the earthquake, but in the still, small voice of God. Let me ask you, when's the last time you heard the still, small voice of God? 
Are you and I so busy in this life that we don't take time to hear his voice? Or we take time for everything else? But do we really take time to hear what God has to say to us? And if he did speak to us, would we even know it? If God spoke to us, would we even know it? Thirdly, God gave him a new responsibility. A new friend, Elijah, renewed hope. Verse 18, yet I've left me 7,000 in Israel, and all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. Over and over and over Elijah says, I've done this, I've done this. Nobody else is doing it. Nobody else is doing it. I'm the one one and everybody else is gone. And sometimes we get that mentality, right? I'm the only one doing right. Hogwash. You're not. God said to Elijah, no. There's 3,000 folks you don't even know. They've never bowed the knee to Baal. In their mouth, they've never kissed him. They're for me. And folks, there's Christians all over the world. I've got to meet them in Mexico. I've got to meet them in Canada. I've gotten to meet them in Brazil. I've got to meet them in La Paz. I get to talk to them regularly, our missionaries. They're all over, sprinkled throughout the world, living and serving God just like you are. We're not alone. We're not alone. How did God respond? He gave him time to refresh, a refreshment and rest. He spoke to him personally and gave him a new responsibility and a new friend and a renewed hope. But this was the end of the ministry of Elijah. This was pretty much the end. Now Elisha would come. And Elisha, as Pastor mentioned recently, would do twice the many miracles that Elijah did. I wonder tonight, are you discouraged? Are you contemplating after you've heard the bad news? Making a bad decision? Fleeing? Trying to go it on your own, doing your own thing, your own way, not listening to wise counsel? Somehow thinking your way is better than every other way in the world? Have you gotten to the point maybe that you don't even care? Care what other people think? Care about what God thinks? Are you listening to God's voice? Have you asked Him, Lord, in this trouble, in this distress, would you show me the right way to go? It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get disillusioned. It's easy to get defeated. But brothers and sisters in Christ, may I challenge you to hope in God tonight. Don't give up. Don't get defeated. Though the bad news may have come, and as sure as I'm standing behind this wood pulpit tonight, it will come. It will come. The question is, how are you going to respond to it? Philip Lutzenkirchen. Say, who in the world is he? Where he played football for the Auburn Tigers and helped them win a national championship. One night, him and his friends 
made a bad choice. They chose to drink and drive. Philip Lutzenkirchen was killed in an auto accident at 23 years of age. He was a born-again Christian. He knew better. He was taught his whole life, do not drink. Do not drink. But he chose to do it anyways, and it costed him his life. Naturally, his parents were distraught. But instead of allowing this to destroy them, now the family, and especially the father, goes around to high schools and colleges and tells other young men the importance of making right decisions in life. Instead of being destroyed by the pain, they're using the pain to help other people not make the same decision their son Philip made. By the grace of God, may God help us in the midst of our troubles and problems and pain not respond wrongly, but to turn to God and say, God, help me through this. Help me through this. And may I use this to help other people. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for this account of Elijah. What a great man of God. What bad decisions he made. I pray, God, that you would help us not to run from you. Help us not to flee from help when help is so available all around us. Help us not to get so discouraged in our life that we want to even take our life. Help us not to listen to the demons of discouragement, disillusionment, defeat. But may we, by the grace of God, have victory in Jesus knowing that you are with us and that you are for us and a better day is coming where we dwell in paradise. Oh, Father, we look for that day. Encourage us, help us. I pray for some in this room who may be discouraged, may be distraught, may be going through that something no one else in the whole world knows about, that you would help them tonight. Maybe some in this room know of folks that are going through something that they need to just make a phone call tonight or text or an email or go visit, maybe even tonight. Brother, help us as brothers and sisters to truly love one another, care for one another, help one another. As you love us and given yourself for us, may we do the same for those in need. Father, speak to our hearts. Do what I cannot do. Speak to the hearts of your people tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.